Our scripture reading this morning comes from the second chapter of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Read as follows. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. You may be seated. If you have a Bible this morning, I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 2. If you're using a pew Bible this morning, that's on page 2. You can answer this to yourself this morning, but when I say the word rest, what is it that comes to your mind? Maybe it's something that you long for. Maybe you feel weary this morning. Maybe it's something you want, but it feels a bit out of reach. Or maybe you're someone who associates rest with laziness and being unproductive. You think that not becoming of a Christian. Maybe as some, you think, I'll rest when I'm dead. Yeah. Or or others who think that, that, well, Satan never takes a day off, so we shouldn't take a day off. I'll remind you that Satan is not our example. Some think of rest as for weak people, for those who who, who need it. But God is the authoritative voice when it comes to these matters of how we live. And here in the creation narrative, we find a divine pattern of rest. As we move to chapter 2 this morning, we see verse 1, which would be maybe better chapter 1, verse 32, instead of chapter 2, verse 1. Let's read it in verse 1 of chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. This verse actually serves as a literary device called an, an inclusio. An inclusio is a, is a bookmark or a bookend between two sections, or between a section, I should say. One at the beginning, one at the end. This comes at the end. So if you look back to chapter 1, verse 1, you read this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the beginning of the chapter. Now the beginning of chapter 2 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. So we see this package of this content from chapter 1, verse 1, to chapter 2, verse 2, the completion of the six days of creation. And once those are completed, that's that's its own section we could see it as, we come to verses 2 and 3, which we'll spend time on today, describing the seventh day of the week. Last week we talked about days 1 through 6, and now today we come to day 7. The seventh day. I'll read it again. And on the seventh day, this is verse two, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. 
The seventh day is uh, unique among the, the days of creation. As one author notes, that there is no opening phrase that we saw on all other six days of, and God said. Every one of the other six days, we see that three uh, three word phrase, and God said. Uh, the reason we don't see it on day seven is because the created acts of God are concluded, they're completed. He, he already created. He created on days one through six, and so the creation uh, acts are over. So there's no need for him to say, and God said. Secondly, that there's no corresponding uh, correspondence to another day. So you might remember last week we talked about days one going with day four, day two going with day five, and day three going with day six. Um, this filling and this forming um, correspondence. Uh, we don't see that. Day seven stands by itself. We also see here in day seven that it's the only day where the number is repeated multiple times. It's actually repeated three times here. You see it twice in verse two and once in verse three, telling us that this is the seventh day. There must be an emphasis there. So it is indeed unique. It is indeed set apart. On this seventh day, we find that God rested. God rested on the seventh day. Now that word rested means to cease or to stop. It is from the word sabbat, uh, where we get our word Sabbath or Shabbat. Now, you may wonder, though, why would God rest? Now, we look at the six days of creation, and, and many of us would say, well, it sounds like he deserves a rest. A lot, lot, lot happened in, in six days there. Maybe God needs a little break. Well, we, we would not conclude that God needs a rest because of his acts of creation. God was not tired. God does not get weary. He is not and was not fatigued. So Isaiah chapter 40 verse 28 says, have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. The psalmist tells us that God never sleeps, nor does he slumber. So God doesn't need a nap. The seventh day wasn't a nap for, for God. Right? That's not what we're seeing. Rather, God rested because his creative work was finished. Because he had done it. He had done what he came to do. He ceased from his creative work. He was pleased. He was satisfied with what he had made. That's what verse 31 of chapter 1 says. That he looked at all of it and behold, it was very good. He was pleased with what, what he had made. And so he ceased. He stopped his creative work. God's rest was from creative work, not from all of work. And why do we know that? Deists, a deist believes that God made the world and then stepped back and let the world go. He has no, he has no divine intervention in the world. That's what some believe about God. And yet the scriptures tell us something very different. Jesus says in John chapter 5 verse 17, my father is working until now and I am working. Or in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, that he holds the universe by the word of his power. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. God didn't cease to work. 
Rather, as Derek Kidner writes, this was rest from achievement, not inactivity. For he nurtures what he creates. We may compare the symbolism of Jesus seated after his finished redemption, dispensing its benefits. So God doesn't go into inactivity on day seven. God doesn't cease to do anything. He ceased from his creative work. Certainly, he continues to hold the universe together, for which we are very thankful this morning, for if he did not, we would not be here. Not only did God rest on the seventh day, we see that God blessed the seventh day. You can see that again in verse 3. So God blessed the seventh day. This was the only day of all seven to be blessed by God. In the creative narrative, this is, this is a blessing on the day. We've seen blessing on, on man already and on the, the animals, but now here, blessing on the seventh day. By blessing the day, God made it spiritually fruitful. So God rested, God blessed, and God sanctified. Look at the rest of verse 3. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. To sanctify something is to make it holy or hallow the day. It is uh, by doing this, God was, as one writer says, devoting it to sacred purposes. Again, this is the first thing here in the scriptures to be hallowed or to be set apart or to be sanctified. And by doing this, additionally, God is demonstrating that there's, there's, uh, this, this day is unique, additionally it's unique, because another thing we don't see on day seven that we see in the other days is the phrase evening and morning, the seventh day. Which some would then conclude or see that this indicates that the seventh day has no end in the sense that God's rest continues. Now generations later, after Genesis was written after these acts took place. Let me say it that way. Generations after these acts took place, in the book of Exodus chapter 16, we learn about what's called the Sabbath day. We see that mentioned. And then in chapter 20, we see the Sabbath day established in the law. We know chapter 20 as the Ten Commandments. And there in the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment is to keep the Sabbath day holy. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 20. If you're using a pew Bible, that's on page 61. Page 61. So we have the seventh day that God made, uh, that God rested. And now we have, in Exodus chapter 20, we have the Sabbath day. Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 8. This is the fourth commandment. Reads like this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, 
the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The Sabbath was to be a holy day, a day of of cessation or complete rest. From here, we see all work in verse 9. You shall, not lab- you shall labor, six days you shall labor, and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. We were to cease from our work, or the Israelites were to cease from their work. It was for all their work, and it was for all the people. You heard read the end of verse 10. On it, on it you shall not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your male female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner. This was uh, equality of rests. It wasn't rest just for some people, and the, the worker bees continued. No, this was rest for all of Israel and from all their work. This was a law for Israel. It was not only a law, but it was a sign between Israel and God. Later in Exodus chapter 31, we read this. It is a sign forever, talking about the Sabbath, between me and the people of God, that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. The Sabbath day was to be observed on the seventh day of the week in connection with creation. That's what Moses is pointing us to. He's pointing out how God worked for six days and rested on the seventh day. And so the Sabbath day is work for six days and on the Sabbath day you rest. It's it's a connection with creation and a celebration of creation. Author Walter Bergerman notes that since, since the Sabbath day is connected to the seventh day, we see that God is not a workaholic. We see that God is not anxious about the full function of creation and that the well-being of creation does not depend on endless work. These are all things that then inform the nature and motivation of the Sabbath. Now we want to remember again, as we think about these scriptures, we think about who they're written to. We're thinking about when they would hear these things. What would be the motivation for for God saying that, but those being written down for the people of Israel. We remember that Exodus chapter 20 and the institution of the Sabbath commandment comes after hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt, where the people of God, the Israelites, were, were worker, they were enslaved by Pharaoh. Enslaved to do work. They were slave labor. They were viewed as commodities. They were viewed as objects for Pharaoh's production. That's how Pharaoh viewed these people. And so the Sabbath day, so the institution of the Sabbath day for these people is an act of resistance. Again, Brueggemann suggests it's a resistance from anxiety It's a resistance from coercion. It's a resistance from exclusivism and from multitasking. All these things have have been thrust upon the people of Israel. And now God is instituting the seventh day in connection with creation and saying, actually, God's economy is very, very different than Pharaoh's. 
That God's economy actually doesn't depend upon you working and working and working and striving and striving and striving. That actually stopping, actually ceasing from your work is a pattern of God's good design. Kent Hughes writes, by keeping the Sabbath, God's people entered into the seven-day rhythm of work and joyful rest. He continues, there is more to work, there's more to life than work. Well, what God was doing here by giving the Sabbath was separating for the people their work from the day of rest. Separating the people from the work with a day of rest. Now, there's a lot here for us to consider, and time does not permit for us to go into all of the areas that we could consider the principles here. But in our modern day of nonstop work, and in the so-called hustle culture that some, um, uh, some live by, the idea of, of Sabbath is countercultural. The idea of, of the world does not actually, the world does not rotate because I work or because you work. That actually there's a creator and the creator's actually holding this all together. And what God wanted Israel to understand is all the striving. That's not what makes it go. That's not how this works. They were, they were to remember who their creator was. Isaiah chapter 58 verses 13 and 14 say this. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and a holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going, uh, not going your own way or seek your own pleasure or talk idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. There's a blessing in the Sabbath. But not only was the Sabbath to remember the creator, to celebrate creation, but it was also to celebrate redemption. Again, think about Israel. They come out of years and years of slavery. They had been delivered. They had been rescued from oppression and so the Sabbath day was to be observed, kept holy as a command. Deuteronomy chapter 5, which also records the Ten Commandments, verse 15 says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land. This is the section talking about Sabbath. You were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. Sabbath was not only to stop their work, but to remember God's work. To remember God's work in their life. And yet the history of Israel shows us that, that God's people forgot the laws of God. They disobeyed the laws of God. They failed to keep the Sabbath day holy. And by the time we get to the New Testament and Jesus shows up on the scene the law and the Sabbath had become, as one writer says, religious bondage with added regulations. They've added on to what God had said. They made the Sabbath. They made the law into something other than what God had intended. And Jesus rejected their traditions. 
We remember in our study through Mark that Jesus rejected the the religious leaders' traditions that they added to the law. And in Mark chapter 2, verses 27 and 28, Jesus says to these religious leaders, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, when we talk about the Old Testament and we talk about the Ten Commandments, We can look through the Ten Commandments and we can see that in the New Testaments, they are all there except for one. There's one commandment that is not repeated in the New Testaments, and it is the fourth commandment. It is the commandment to keep the Sabbath day holy. It's not a commandment in the New Testament. Now, some have drawn a parallel. They've drawn a parallel between the Sabbath in the Old Testament and what is called the Lord's Day in the New Testament, referring to it as a Christian Sabbath, as they see the Sabbath as a creation ordinance and not necessarily a command exclusive to Israel. However, as as we see Israel and the church as distinct, the commands given to Israel are not necessarily the commands given to the church. And the command not repeated again into the New Testament will give us pause to make that connection. Now, in Romans chapter 14, Paul addressed what he called disputable matters or arguing over or quarreling over opinions. He says in verse 1, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes that he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. And then in verse 5, he says, one person esteems one day better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Now this verse 5, maybe Paul may be talking about this idea of Sabbath. This idea of someone saying, well, actually, there's one day. There's one day that's supposed to be holy. And there's others who are saying, actually, all the days are holy. (laughs) Day 7 is not the only holy day. But what we find even here as Paul addresses these matters is he does not weigh in on the matter. He doesn't actually weigh in on the debate. He doesn't say, actually, no, you can eat whatever you want. Or no, you should only eat vegetables. Or no, there is only one holy day. Or no, all the days are holy. What he says is he calls for tolerance. He calls for us not to pass judgments on one another. Why? Because he goes on to say that God is the judge. That God is the judge in these matters. And we're actually accountable to him for what we believe about those things, not to one another. God will judge in the end. We're accountable to him. So, so that he, he says, whatever you do, so if you eat the, the vegetables or you, you eat whatever, or if you have one day or you think the, the whole day, Whatever you do, you should be convinced in your mind, verse 5, and you should do it as unto the Lord, honoring the Lord in verse 6. So, though this is a debate, this is a debated topic in relation to uh, the Christian Sabbath, there are some associations and some differences between the days. And Warren Wearsby points out several of the differences, several of the contrasts, innotable contrasts they are. The Sabbath day is the Old Testament Sabbath, or the Jewish Sabbath, we would say. This was observed, as we already said, on the seventh day of the week. This Sabbath 
this Sabbath commandment symbolized the old creation, the covenant of the law, Old Testament. It went like this. Six days you shall work, then you will rest. So it went from work to rest. That's the Sabbath. But the early church, we know, gathered for worship on the first day of the week. That would be Sunday. You could see that in Acts chapter 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. They did this in order to honor Christ for his resurrection work. They gathered on Resurrection Sunday, which is the first day of the week and became known as the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day is today. It is Sunday. It is the first day of the week and symbolizes the new creation, what Christ brought. What Christ brought through, through faith is new creation. And it is the covenant of grace. So the order here is from belief and rest to work. It's a reversal of what we see in the Sabbath. And this is a notable and profound difference between the Sabbath and Sunday. The Jewish Sabbath, says Wearsby, was fulfilled in Christ on the cross and is no longer binding on God's people. He cites Galatians chapter 4 and then a passage in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 verse 16 and 17 says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink, and with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. For the New Testament Christian, the spiritual Sabbath or the spiritual rest is entered into, not through our nationality as, as a Jew, not through the seventh day as some still hold to, but instead it is entered by faith in Christ. So here Jesus' invitation to rest in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly, lowly in heart. Sidebar. This is Jesus' description of himself. Gentle and lowly. That's how he describes himself in the New Testament. Go into a job interview and tell, tell, tell them what your two strengths are. Gentle and lowly in heart. <laughs> this, is how Jesus, this is how Jesus represents himself to us. Gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Soul rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The divine rest of God is offered in Christ and it is offered now. Hebrews chapter 4. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. 
This rest, this rest in Christ is now and looks forward to the full rest that is to come. Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. Now, the absence of a binding Sabbath commandment in the, Old, in, in the New Testament does not mean that there is an absence of a rhythm of rest and work. That is not the, the, the point that we're making this morning. In fact, one writer says, God has woven a pattern of rest into the fabric of creation. He did this to show us how to order our lives after his example. And so though the Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath, does not necessarily carry over, the principle of rest does in fact carry over. And though the Sabbath, the Sabbath day in specific, was fulfilled in Christ, the principle of rest still abides. Six days of work, one day of rest, that's the Sabbath. One day to, to stop. One day to worship, to delight in God, in his creation, and in his good gifts. Again, the emphasis of this rest is not so much on inactivity. It doesn't mean we just lay around. It doesn't mean we don't do anything. There are Christians who have taken it to mean that. There are places where you cannot get up off your couch. You can't do anything. Because that would be forbidden by the Sabbath. That's not the indication in the scriptures. Not for the New Testament believer, for sure. The emphasis is, is not so much on inactivity, but it's on stopping in order to recognize God. To recognize God as creator. To recognize God as redeemer. To worship him. And that actually is the notable association between the Sabbath day and the Lord's day. It is the worship of God as creator and as redeemer. It is true that we have a real need for rest. And none of this is meant to obfuscate that. In fact, I want to highlight it. The absence of the binding command does not mean that rest isn't important, nor does it mean that God isn't giving to us a pattern in creation. Rest reminds us that we are created. It reminds us that work does not actually, that the, the, the world does not actually depend on me. You know that, right? As important as you are, as important as your work is, as important as the things that, that you do in life, the world actually isn't held together by us. So some of us find our, our value in work, in accomplishments. And so what do we do? We overwork. We do things because we can look back on the day and say, look what I did. I can feel good about myself. I'm finding my value in what I do. But rest, this day of rest, is actually an act of resistance against the world's system that tells me that I am what I do. 
I am not what I do. Your identity is, in not, is not in what you do. A lot of times when we meet someone, what is one of the first questions we ask them? What do you do? We place so much of what we do with our identity. It is not our identity. You may be whatever you are for an occupation. That is not who you are. And the Sabbath rest reminds me that all my working doesn't make the world go around. That I'm actually created. That God actually is the creator. That God actually holds this whole thing together. I am not what I produce. I am who God says that I am. And rest reminds me that I am not God. A day of rest reminds me that God is the one who sustains the world and sustains me. John chapter 15, verse 5 says, For apart from me, Jesus says this, For apart from me, you can do nothing. A day of rest reminds me that, that, that I am in need, that I am dependent on him. Actually, every night when we go to bed reminds you that you are in need. Why? Because God doesn't have to sleep. You have to sleep. I have to sleep. It reminds me that I'm not God. And so it is from rest in Christ. It's from this place of, of the dependence on God, dependence on Christ, peace with God through Christ. It's from that that we work. The Sabbath was work, then rest. In the New Testament, we rest in Christ, and from that rest, we work. This is true physically, and it's even more important spiritually. Augustine wrote, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Some of us are clamoring to find our rest. There's an old song, everybody's working for the weekend, right? Just get through it. Just get to Saturday and Sunday and then we can have our rest. I understand what they mean. But if you think that's the rest you need... It won't fulfill you. It won't satisfy you. The only satisfaction is the true rest, the ultimate rest that we find in Christ. And your heart will be restless until you find your rest in God. If you are at rest with God through Christ, let me say it this way. If you're not at rest with God through Christ, then life will only be a chore It'll only be drudgery to get through, hoping, hoping that you're good enough, hoping that you did enough. But in Christ, we find our rest because in him, we are accepted by God. And when you, you know that you're accepted by God, that changes your outlook on life. I'm not performing anymore. I don't have to perform for people. I don't have to perform for God. I don't have to measure up to some arbitrary standard of somebody or some society. The one who knows me best already loves me. And so from that place of peace, that place of reconciliation with God, I can live, I can work, I can serve. Yes, work hard, but not for my identity. Not in order to get some sort of rest at the end of the rainbow, but from the rest already received through 
Christ. There's no more striving for God's approval. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 says, we are hidden with Christ in God. In repentance of sin, in faith in the work of Christ, we are made at peace with God and we enter into Christ's rest. So as we started, I asked, when you hear the word rest, what do you think about? And I want to invite you into it this morning to recognize that you can receive the rest of Christ. Christ's rest. The work that Christ has done on your behalf. You don't have to strive anymore. That doesn't mean we don't work. It doesn't mean we lay around in inactivity. It's not what it means at all. It means that that work has purpose now. And we're working from something, not for something. From that rest we live, we serve, we work. And we do it all as worship for the glory of God and the good of others. May God help us to do it. Let's pray. Father, I think if we're honest this morning, most of us would long for rest today. We would long to, to be able to, to sit down and, and not be stressed. We would long to, to know that we're, we're accepted. We would long to know that, that, that all our works are not the ultimate measure of who we are or what we are. So God, I'm so thankful this morning that because of the work of Christ, we can know that rest. And upon the invitation of Christ himself, we can enter into that rest. That there is a Sabbath rest today but it's only through Christ. And so would we enter it today? Would, you, would, you, would we hear the invitation? For those who have never heard the invitation or never responded to that invitation, we pray this morning that they would come to you in repentance of their sins and faith in Christ and receive the forgiveness of their sins, the hope of heaven, the confidence of knowing that they're a child of God, and the rest that accompanies all of it. For those that do know you, and yet, Father, we so often exchange the, the burden that is light to carry our own burdens again. So God, would we come back to Jesus again today, recognizing this invitation once again to take his yoke upon us to take the, his yoke that's easy and his burden that is light, to cast our cares upon you for you care for us, to let you carry our load. And may we enjoy the rest that you've provided through your son. Oh, we pray for it today. Lord, we need you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.